1: Come on, come on. I see no changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself. It's like worth living, should I blast myself? I'm tired of being boy and even work some am black. My stomach hurts so I'm looking changes for Changes are coming. Oh boy, are the changes coming as the Dolphins lose 17-7. to 7 to a punchless Jaguars team and are officially eliminated from the 2018 NFL race. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Monday Recap Edition, the December 24th edition, the Christmas Eve edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show changes 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 all coming down the pipeline will unpack the embarrassing loss of the Jaguars and as a result the impact of that loss who stays who goes who are the options to replace the departed rumors rebuilding the structure we have a lot to get to on this podcast including picking out the glue pieces currently on the roster real quick before we jump into any of that. I kindly invite you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com the number one blog in the Lockdown Network. We chronicle our work there every single day. And on Sunday post-game, we had an article talking about the Groundhog's Day nature of this current Dolphins regime and regime's past, and perhaps a bit of a therapy session for the fact that Dolphins fans are living through a four-year cycle every single four years. And of course, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts, like the Lockdown Heat podcast. And the Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have so much to get to on this Sunday slash Monday recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Let's go ahead and get things rolling. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by my bookie and reports on Sunday morning before the Dolphins even kicked off their game tied former Dolphins employee and current Vikings assistant general manager, George Payton, spelled George Patton, but it's George Payton, to the potentially vacant general manager position of the Miami Dolphins. And pictures, they truly do say a thousand words. And if you all saw that image at the end of the game with Stephen Ross with his head in his palm, Mike Tannenbaum looked like he just saw a ghost, and Dan Marino hovering over both of them looking utterly disgusted. It feels like a change is coming At that spot and many spots ahead. And going back to the GM spot, Mike Tannenbaum spot. George Payton turned down GM jobs this past offseason. And that wasn't the first time he had turned down GM work. But now he has made it clear his intentions are to leave the Vikings. According to a CBS article written back on December the 9th. And in that article, they linked the Miami Dolphins as a potential job or landing spot for George Payton when that report came out. He did withdraw from an interview from the Miami Dolphins just a few years ago. Reports are he also withdrew from jobs from the Jets and Bills as well. But in that same article from the ninth, again, he had withdrawn a job offer from the Miami Dolphins in the past. He played defensive back in college at UCLA, and then he played professionally in Italy and Austria, and then began his scouting career in the early 90s, then found his way to Miami to be an employee here under Rick Spielman from 2001 to 2006 and then he followed Rick Spielman to the Vikings and he's been there ever since so with these rumors swirling all week that the Dolphins could not just be looking to make changes but sweeping changes across the entire staff across the entire front office This outcome really did a number on the slim chances of many of these folks' jobs in question, and their likelihood of them being back now seems even more slim. Let's go ahead and go down that list real quick and take a look at the ramifications of the 17-7 loss to Cody Kessler slash Blake Bortle slash Doug Marone led Jacksonville Jaguars team, a punchless team in previous weeks. Ryan Tannehill, top of this list. That horrible interception he threw to Telvin Smith that got ran back for a touchdown and effectively ended the Dolphins' season was just kind of the microcosm of what he became this year and the kind of perfect bookend on a career that just never lived up to the hype or lived up to the flashes of greatness we saw from him at times. He regressed in 2018 compared to what he was in 2016. He lost mobility. He looked very gun-shy in the pocket at times, and who can blame him with the way the offensive line has played recently? It looks like he finally succumbed to all the beatings and injuries he's taken over the first seven years of his career. It just seems like a really terrible way for him to go, but I think it is very safe to say Ryan Tannehill in Miami going to be done. Adam Gaze going away from what works every single damn game happened again. This one, we'll cover that in a second segment. Ripping into Ryan Tannehill. Never really seen him yell at Ryan Tannehill on the sidelines or in any fashion. The offense is still about 240 yards shy of underperforming the horrible 2007 offense led by John Beck and Cleo Lemon, Trent Green, and all those guys that led to a 1-15 season. This current Dolphins team has now gained 200 yards or less in three of the last four games two of those games coming at home. So it's more than feasible that they don't find the 240 yards in Buffalo against a good defense to get over that hump and to outdo the 2007 offense led by John Beck, Cleo Lemon, and so on and so on and so on. Adam Gase also punted on a Down by 10 on a fourth and 20 with five and a half minutes to go. I know they weren't going to convert fourth and 20, but that was the season right there. That was it. Adam Gaze is going to be done in Miami. Matt Burke, he's going to be done in Miami. I think most of the staff fires to go, figures to go. (laughs) Funny play on words there, figures to go with Adam Gaze when he is fired. And that brings us to Chris Greer. I've liked a lot of his draft classes. He's made some really solid picks when it was presumed that he was the guy in charge of those drafts. Go back to 2016, 2017, 2018. He's given the Dolphins, Laramie Tunzel, Xavier Howard, two blue chip phenomenal all pro level type of players. He's given them Kenyon Drake and we've talked all season long about how he's been misutilized. He has immense talent. Jakeem Grant, that same mold, a highly talented skilled special teams player as well as a receiver that can make big plays for you. Ray Quan McMillan really came on strong late this season. He looks like a potential player player, a two-down type of linebacker. Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor, the fifth and sixth round picks, they are both starters and good quality players. Mika Fitzpatrick, Jerome Baker, Kalen Bellage I think that that draft class, is if, as long as you're giving Chris Greer credit for some of those guys, he's done well. So that may sound all nice and rosy, but there's a big however. And that however is that I want the GM to have the say over everyone that works below him. He is the final authoritarian figure within the franchise. Everybody that works below him answers to him. So if the new big honcho wants Chris Greer on, then he stays. If not, Chris Greer goes too. And that brings up Mike Tannenbaum finally. He's gone. He just has to be the awful contracts he issued out, the urge and push to sign Dominican Su back in 2015, then to admit the massive mistake three years later and just let him walk after taking $60 million out of Steven Ross's pocket and eating a cap hit on top of that. I think Steven Ross is fed up. I think he's going to clean all of this out. And I think everything is going to change with the 2019 Miami Dolphins for better or worse. We will see, but that's where I think this team is right now. So what about some of the other options that we haven't discussed yet? We talked about George Payton off the top. I could certainly see that, but then we have this Mike Florio report, two of them in fact, both following the game on Sunday, the late afternoon games on Sunday, talking about the Harbaugh brothers. And the first one was John Harbaugh and how the contract situation, despite the report over the weekend that he would be back to coach the Ravens in 2019, the contract situation is not close. They are not close on a long-term agreement. And that report could have been some type of invitation for other teams to come get Harbaugh and some teams are viewing it that way those are Mike Florio's words, not mine Miami could potentially trade for John Harbaugh, who has expressed some ill will to the Ravens for putting him through this whole ordeal, not giving him a longer term contract extension, so that could be a possibility, I suppose but probably going to cost you a draft pick, which sucks and kind of pushes me away from it a little bit but if he also brought Ozzie Newsome with him who has retired and has taken more of a backseat role, but it sounds like he wants to stay in that role, so it's unlikely, but if he brought Ozzie Newsom, I would do that in a heartbeat so we'll see what happens if it is John Harbaugh who he wants to bring or who the GM that wants to bring John Harbaugh in that remains unclear then there's his brother Jim and the other report from Mike Florio is that the Jets will try to lure Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan and my stance on that is there is no way Stephen Ross is going to let that happen Stephen Ross wants Jim Harbaugh at Michigan if Harbaugh wants to jump the shark and go to the NFL and take the money and take the I guess the jump in prestige in terms of going to the next level, I would bet money that it's going to be the Miami Dolphins because he'll take that offer and Steven Ross will give him more money. He'll give him that authoritarian control. He would do whatever it takes to make sure that if Harbaugh wants to come, it's going to be Miami. And then lastly, the three options I've talked about all the entire time we've talked about the possibility of firing Adam Gaze, the two Harbaugh brothers, and of course Lincoln Riley, mainly because it's a great path right to Kyler Murray and that's the guy I want above anybody else in this current draft class. So you've heard those three names, the two Harbaugh's, Lincoln Riley. We're going to talk about some other options and go over this game. We're going to do all of that next, but first, a word from my bookie. And the holiday season is here, which means the NFL's regular season is coming to its end. The college bowl season's well underway, and NFL playoffs are right on deck. And football is always fun to watch but it's even more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about this for weeks and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. Maybe you're the kind of guy that likes the low risk, high reward type of play and my bookie can get you a parlay to make that happen. You pick 3 teams to win, you hit all 3, you could turn 100 bucks into 600 just like that. And there's so much to bet on from college basketball to football, hockey, NBA, custom props, even esports you name it. My bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year long. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in business for years. They have great reviews online and their mobile site is super easy to use. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more when you win. Also, make sure to follow, 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 follow after they personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention that they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to my bookie right now and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 50% deposit bonus on your money. That's promo code LOCKEDON, my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the world. Well,
1: there's one more game left, but it is closing time, officially closing time. For the 2018 Miami Dolphins, they fall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 17 to 7, and their season goes up in ashes as every team the Dolphins needed to lose won their game, and the Dolphins could not take care of their own business. Could not give their fans a nice early Christmas gift on this Christmas Eve edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast for December the 24th, and we're going to go ahead and break this game down real quickly because let's face it, we got two more games to actually talk about until August when we roll out the entire preseason in-depth game looks and. Re- recaps before next September nine months away for that so I guess let's try to find a way to enjoy football and Miami Dolphins football while we have it now during the playoffs I'll be covering some of the other games in action around the league I think that's something we all can find maybe therapeutic or maybe it's a bit of a fantasy for us to look ahead to the playoffs but nonetheless I like talking playoff football so I'll do that in short bursts on the podcast throughout the next month or so, as well as give you my playoff bracket predictions ahead of time. I'm going to go over my predictions preseason as well. Tons of different stuff for you guys in the podcast to close out the season, as well as get you ready for the Dolphins off season. But first, let's go back to Sunday's game and just talk about Ryan Tannehill's rookie decision on that interception he threw he was locked up at the ankles it was clear that he was not going to be able to break free and get out of that play it was still a three-point game there was still plenty of time left the way the Jaguars offense was stalling and not doing much of anything they could have Taken the sack. I know it sucks to say. I'm sure he was pressing after the game against the Vikings. After things on Sunday were not going well. Following the opening drive touchdown they scored. It was just all terrible going backwards. 180 yards of total offense. Tons more sacks. He just can't move out of the way of pressure like he used to. Even then it wasn't great. Now it's flat out awful. He takes huge sacks for big yardage. And just the decision to put that ball up in the air. With so much air under it. Such a little drive on the pass. And the way he unbuckled the chin strap and just said, fuck, you could tell he was pissed off. I felt bad for him. He went to the sideline, got a tongue lashing. It, I, it's it. That's it. That, that's that's a wrap on Ryan Tannehill in Miami. I hate to say it. That is what it is. I misevaluated the guy, I suppose. I thought he was going to progress on 2016. He did not. It didn't work out for him here. It's time to wash your hands and move on with that. On the offensive line, it just never really changes for this team. It's always bad. Can't pick up stunts. There is poor teaching on the inside, poor personnel. It flat out sucks every single year. That has to change. Charles Harris, what the hell are you doing, man? He got a sack, good for him, but he ruins it by playing like trash the rest of the game like he does every game the last two years. Another guy that I thought would step up this year hasn't done that. There was a read option where Blake Bortles faked the give inside, and Charles Harris just crashed right down the line of scrimmage, went way inside, didn't set the edge whatsoever, gave Bortles an easy 15-yard gain or so on like a second and 13, so that was a big play in the game, Charles Harris being stupid again. It was nice to see Rashad Jones back in the strong safety role. He didn't have a huge impact, but just seeing him approach the line of scrimmage as the cadence is going off, you know that he's going to support the run game so much better than anybody else does. Even though TJ McDonald has done better in that role as of late, I just like seeing Rashad back in that way, making plays that way. Speaking of making plays in the secondary, Jalen Davis made three plays on the day. I thought he looked very good. Just his second NFL game and limited action on the day. He had a sack, a forced fumble, and he disrupted a pass play on third and goal that made the Jaguars kick a field goal. So great job, number 36, Jalen Davis. Keep an eye on him next week. No Kiko Alonso looked like he was healthy, but the Dolphins held him out. Gave the green dot, the uh, the communication helmet sticker, to Raquel McMillan. Minka Fitzpatrick was back there making calls. No Xavier Howard held him out of the game. And TJ McDonald, we kind of knew he was going to miss the game. He did not play either. There could be more guys that. To sit next week in Buffalo with some money guarantees possibly playing into that. Devontae Parker, I think it was Adam Beasley of the Miami Herald had an article about that. Maybe Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. We will see. But some more guys could sit next week as well. Going back to the coaching, the first series of this game, the Dolphins go right down the field for an easy touchdown drive. They're fourth in five games since that 20-game stretch, and there was five plays on the series where Miami had either 30 personnel, that's three running backs, zero tight ends, or 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end into the game five times, 52 yards, two first downs, and a touchdown. They did not run it five more times the rest of the game, so Adam Gaze continues to get away from the things that work best. I talked about Charles Harris chasing the Blake Bortles fake game on the inside. The defense was doing fine until he came into the game, and it's a very generic, basic, vanilla scheme with some zone read thrown into it, yet because it was a little bit different, everything just got thrown way out of whack, and it was too much for this awfully orchestrated defense orchestrated by the soon-departed Matt Burke, and this game as a whole was merely a microcosm of things that make this change so necessary and so overdue and it's coming. Anyone that saw the post-game image of Steven Ross with the head in hand, they know it's coming. Change is coming from the top down. We already talked about the clean sweep in the first segment in terms of the front office and the coaching staff, but the Dolphins will have priority level needs at these positions coming up this offseason. Quarterback, I think that room's going to get entirely remade. Two quarterbacks, probably a veteran free agent as well as a draft pick, a relatively high draft pick. Again, hoping for Kyler Murray, but we'll see what happens there. Defensive end, a very, very another high priority he they just got to remake the group beyond Cameron Wake and possibly Robert Quinn Uh, Charles Harris isn't there William Hayes has been hurt two years in a row Quinn costs a lot of money Wake is aging that'll be interesting to keep an eye on the interior offensive line like I mentioned in the previous segment just been a problem for way too long. They're going to have to get at least two of those spots fixed up. Defensive tackle, they need some depth beyond Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor. That has to happen. The second cornerback job, I assume they'll move Minka Fitzpatrick back to safety. Then you have Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain inside, possibly Jalen Davis out there. Cordray at Tankersley, we'll see what happens with him. So those are the ones that really, really need attention this offseason immediately. Priority positions. An argument could be made for wide receiver, tight end probably even linebacker, but we'll cover that in a future podcast down the road. On the other side, we're going to talk about some of the glue pieces that should inspire some hope because we all need some hope. We'll do that next, the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Lincoln NFL at Locked On Fins. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off season,
0: look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 9
1: of the last 10 seasons the Miami Dolphins have registered 6 7 or 8 wins. 9 out of 10 years stuck in that mediocre middle range of the NFL. This year, quite frankly, in my opinion, lucky to be 7 and 8 currently, but that's where they are. That's what they have to build on and look forward to, and that's why changes are likely very imminent and very, very necessary But going forward, we have some reasons. We should be happy and excited about this team because of some of the things they've done in recent years, plus the option that things just can get better and can get turned around. You look at the Chicago Bears this year from last in the NFC North to now first and playing for a first round bye potentially in the final week of the season. You had the Jacksonville Jaguars and Los Angeles Rams last year being those teams last to first. The Houston Texans this year were a last to first team. You can get things turned around and you do it with some core pieces, some potentially blue chip players. And You guys have heard me talk about blue chips in the past. The Dolphins have two of them for sure on the roster right now, one on each side of the ball. And I talked about it on Twitter a little bit, Laramie Tunzel and the work he does in one on one pass protection, how he's a set and forget player. You worry about the pass protection from the other four guys, you know that you have Laramie Tunzel on that one on one island. And even though probably Sunday was his worst game of the season, he is a lockdown left tackle, a guy that you can put out there and not worry about it a guy that makes your protection calls so much easier for everybody else once we get the line and the places pieces in place to make a competent offensive line he's a core piece a blue chip player also a blue chip player and definitely a core piece xavian howard we all know about what he's done the interceptions the pbus the ability to lock down an entire side of the field. He has been dynamic and outstanding. Probably going to hold him out the rest of the year and just get him good to go for 2019. I would assume he has a contract by that time, a new contract that makes him very highly paid. We believe in Minka Fitzpatrick and Jerome Baker as core pieces, rookies that really showed a lot in their first year, expect them to take another step up in their sophomore seasons. Raekwon McMillan came down the stretch and played really well the second half of the year. They're going to have Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant coming back. Jakeem Grant added such a dynamic that we didn't really get a chance to compare to in regards to special teams. You watch Danny Amendola back there in the 3-4, and four or 5-yard returns he gets. Jakeem Grant still is probably the best return man in the NFL statistics-wise and definitely into the eye test-wise, even though he's out right now. He was just so game-changing in that element, and he offers that to the offense as well. Coming back, Kenyon Drake, I'm going to harp it into the ground. He and Caitlin Balazs could make a very exciting backfield. The Dolphins could probably leave that position alone if they want to go with those two. Brandon Bolden, maybe even bring Frank Gore back. I'm kind of against it because of the progress blocking even though he was terrific but you do have a couple of core pieces in those two running backs in my opinion the interior defensive line has two core pieces Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor Vincent Taylor was becoming one of the best run stuffing defensive tackles in the league before he got injured and even this year he was developing a pass rush he blocks a lot of kicks he has star potential Devon Godshaw is just a solid 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 steady player alongside Vincent Taylor there so you just look up and down this roster at most spots. They have core glue pieces they can use to kind of jumpstart this process of the rebuild and infuse this current roster with some talent. You find a quarterback that clicks right away. Things can change away, change right away real quickly. I think George Payton, we talked about him being an option for a GM. He seems to be eager and poised to get to this task. He has a history in Miami. That could be a good sign. For the Dolphins, him coming back, familiar with the area, just kind of familiar with the fan base in general. The John Harbaugh, the Jim Harbaugh options, the two Harbaugh brothers, those are options for the Dolphins. Bruce Arians is a guy that exists out there. He wants to get back into coaching. He has made that much very, very clear. Now, he is old, but he also resurrected a dead Cardinals franchise, and look at that team post-Bruce Arians. So, I mean... He is an option and a good one at that. I talked about Lincoln Riley, what he could bring, the excitement, the marquee name. You get him, you trade up, you get Kyler Murray. Suddenly things have a different feel. There's primetime football in Miami. People are excited about the Dolphins for the first time in a long time. The bottom line is that there are good coaches out there available. So while you might be down in the dumps, the possibility of making that happen and finding the good ones out there it's a possibility. No matter how big or small you might think it is, it is a possibility. Plus, whoever comes in and takes over is going to remake the quarterback room so we can expect not just one, but two new quarterbacks next year. That's something that should at least get you a little bit excited. I know I'm excited to finally chart a new quarterback. It's kind of been a long time since I charted anybody else really besides Brian Tannehill back to the 2016 season when I charted every quarterback. So they'll have two of those guys Two new guys in the quarterback room, a free agent and a draft pick, that figures to be the likely route. And now it's just on Ross to make the correct decision and remove this regime and then the correct decision regarding who he puts in place to set up the structure of this team. And like I said, sure, his track record, it's not great, but that in and of itself is a reason to at least cause intrigue because. Maybe we don't owe them blind excitement. They have not earned the right from the fan base for blind excitement at the sign of change. But change does mean there is a chance that things could get better. And that's the way I'll probably approach it throughout the offseason, just knowing that they're there's a chance that things could be better and the dolphins could be that last to first place team. You just never know in this league. And hopefully the dolphins make the choices that get them into that position. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the idea on Twitter that we've reset so many times and it doesn't work. So why should we do it again? But I can't even begin to comprehend how that's a reason why you should stick with something that clearly does not work because you're worried that the next thing might not work too. Well, At least you tried, so get to the batter's box, swing the bat, take a shot. We've got one game left. But the schedule of the week for the podcast here is going to change starting right now, really. We're going to be off tomorrow. No Christmas Day episode. We'll be back with you guys on Wednesday for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. That Bills game is going to be digested for the individual matchups, i.e. the one-on-ones. So we'll go ahead and skip the traditional preview. Instead, I'll give you a players-to-watch list on the podcast later. We'll do an off-season preview podcast at some point this week where we set the roster, give out position, need, priorities, set budgets, all that fun stuff. It is officially the off offseason in the down Dolphins podcast, and I know it's long, but we're going to be all right, Dolphins. Before you know it, 2019 is going to be here. We'll have a fresh start. We'll have football back on, something new to embark on. After all, this team, this franchise, this fan base, we all thrive on the offseason buzz, don't we? All right, that's going to be my time for the podcast, guys. But we are going to end this show a little bit differently because despite the season going awry, there were still a lot of fun moments for this football team. And we'll play you out with the top four moments of the 2018 season here on the Sunday recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.
0: Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson on his way. They're not going to catch him. Touchdown, Miami. The snap. The kick for the win. It's It's good. good. Dolphins win it in
1: overtime. Seven seconds left. Tannehill will throw it.
0: And this will end it. After the shovel
1: they're willing. Miami running around,
0: circling. Oh, look out! Grotowski didn't have the angle! Tucks out! A whole Canyon Drake. A miracle! Outright Miami! If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.